Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore, it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with Sasha from KMFDM. Uh, they they when I got into Electronic music, and I'm not talking about in the early 80s when I was, you know, in all my little synth pop bits, but when that kind of developed into a, a bit of a, a passion for mute records and an obsession with Depeche Mode and bands like Nitzareb and later Sheep and Drugs and Front 242 and Nine Inch Nails and that whole scene, KMFDM were very much part of that scene. And, uh, and I, I got to speak to Lucia from the band, um, a little while ago, and she was absolutely wonderful. It's a great episode. Go go back and check that. Her her career has been incredible. She sent me a message a couple of weeks ago saying that uh, Cam FDM had got a new record out, uh, and they're about to go and do a a, a big US tour. Uh, and would I like to speak to frontman Sasha? So I was like, I would love that. And uh, and we we have a wonderful chat, and you're about to hear that. We we, we talk about what it was like, you know, in in the seventies growing up in in uh, Germany in Hamburg, and and what it was like getting your first synthesizer, your first sampler, and 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 the impact of of crack rock and and craft work, and and all of those things that you can obviously, you know, for fans of Cam FDM, will we'll know that all of these things have you know entered into the the pot to give you the music that, that cam fdm does um before we get on with the chat uh, a few thank yous thanks to lucia um for for uh, facilitating this interview uh thanks to scribius pip and everyone at the distraction pieces network thank you to 76 for producing this podcast huge thanks always to you lovely listeners for supporting off the beaten track now we're, we're well we're well into uh year we on four years in there three four years i think and uh yeah 450 episodes so if this is your first episode then uh, go check out the back catalog because there's bucket loads um i mentioned sheep on drugs there's a there's a great interview with deadly um from uh, sheep on drugs that i recorded uh, a while back um if you like your electronic music um you can catch episodes with andy mccluskey of omd you can catch Chats with Martin Ware of Heaven 17. Um, gosh, who else? Um, electronic dance producers such as uh, Darren Emerson, um, Paul Oakenfold, Fatboy Slim, um, 
people that have you know all been massively influenced by you know the the, the bands that have you know found themselves in that melting pot uh, of clam fdm uh so yeah go check out that back catalog go and explore it there's hundreds um nitsareb nitsareb have been on the podcast go check out my chat with them and uh yeah go uh Go explore because it's all there for free. Um, all I ask in exchange for uh, for for getting stuck into that back catalogue is give your mate a nudge and tell him about the podcast. Or if you see us on the the socials, just give us a little a little share or a like. Drop us a DM if you want. Drop us a message. Let us know you'd like to hear me chat to. Um, I'm always interested in, in in knowing who the listeners would like to hear chats with. So always get in touch. Um, and yeah, and if you'd like to really you know excel with that that support then uh for a dollar a month 80 pence a month you can become a patreon uh and for that you get to watch all the episodes ad free uh you get loads of radio shows you get access to a back catalogue of hundreds of radio shows episodes little video bits and pieces all sorts of stuff that's uh that's all over on the patreon and that that 20 pence a week goes in the pot to to help ensure that i can keep paying for the production and such and time to to put together your two free episodes that you get each week uh so any love and support over there oh and what we also do over on patreon which we've um we've done one and by the time this comes out we may even have done the second one is we do a, a monthly hangout now it's on zoom uh and the first one we've done we've done it all about intros which is obviously track one uh um question one of the, of the podcast and so uh, lots of the patrons all turned up and we all had a big old chat and a couple of beers over zoom and all picked our favorite intros and spoke about them and, and recorded that and then i released that as an episode as well so you can also feature on an episode and uh and and, and get involved and and bring along your track selections and uh and meet other like-minded lovely people um so yeah that's all available at patreon.com forward slash off the beat and track uh, but you can find out about the social media and the back catalogue and everything else you need to know about the podcast at the website, which is offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Anyway, please enjoy Off The Beat and Track Podcast with Sasha from KMFDM. Sorry, ladies and gents, I've just got to jump in quickly and tell you that this podcast is proud to be in partnership with Hotel Chocolat. That's right. Hotel Chocolat, those people that make all the delicious chocolatey stuff, right? They have been my partner now for close to two years, and I can't thank them enough. Um, and the one way that I can kind of help them is by telling all you lot about what they're up to. You know all about the chocolate stuff because you, you go and get your chocolates from there. But some of you like a little tipple of booze, right? So if you do, you need to check out their velvetized cream range. So what they've done is they've got loads of all your favorite spirits, and then they've added their lovely chocolatey magic-y stuff to it so you can get like uh, my favorite's the mint chocolate one go check out their mint chocolate velvetized cream because it is delicious the salty caramel one will blow your socks off as well there's loads you need to go and check out uh, the alcohol range that um, hotel chocolat do and i'm proud to tell you that this podcast is in partnership with hotel chocolat go check them out but right now get back to the podcast It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we are recording. Sasha, how are you today? I'm very good. How are you? 
I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, Sasha, before we get on with your playlist, I want to ask you to cast your mind back to um, the the sort of 17, 18 months of lockdown uh, and, and tell me how that time affected you both personally and creatively. Well, I was actually uh, making two and a half records during the time. Um, I started with the uh, in-dub album in uh, late, late 2019. I finished that up in uh, the summer of 20. And then I jumped straight on with Lucia to help her produce her solo album. And then I started Hyena. So um, personally, it really didn't affect me very much at all. What sucked was that we had to move uh, tours that were planned forward and forward and forward and, uh, you know, absolute total lack of income, like there was nothing happening at all. So, yeah, we just sort of eked it out here and, um, you know, kept busy. Yeah. And do you find that, did you put sort of pressure on yourself when, you know, as, as, a, as a musician, as a touring musician, to, you know, life's busy and then all of a sudden when, the brakes get put on stuff like that and you have time at your disposal. Do you think, right, well, look, you know, this is a well-deserved break now. I'm going to, I'm going to rest up. I'm going to put my feet up. Or do you put a lot of pressure on yourself to like, well, look, I've got time now. I can, I can create stuff. I can really maximize the time that I've got here and, and, you know, get stuck in the studio. How much pressure do you put on yourself to, to produce music and create? Well, the, the pressure, on me is not really like it were if I were in a band um, because I've been working for decades with people that are in different locations and we're just changing files and uh, I put the stuff together in my studio. So it wasn't really, there wasn't really much pressure and I'm not the kind of guy that, uh, you know, sits in front of Netflix all day long. So yeah. I have to do something and, uh, you know, especially uh, during that lockdown, it was relatively free from, uh, external influences i you know didn't see people there was no parties no barbecues no uh, get-togethers and drinking games and stuff so it was actually a, a pretty productive time cool in hindsight i mean it, it sucked but uh, i think i made the best of it yeah well let's start your playlist and for track one sasha i'm going to ask you please to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro the greatest ever intro has to be DIY by my own band, KMFDM. <laughs> to my own horn here. <laughs> it's, it's a big intro, isn't it? It's very grand. It's bombastic. Um, when, you're, when you're creating and you're writing songs... Um, when KMFDM first started, the way that people would, would get their music was very different to how people get their music now. You know, my first KMFDM music was on vinyl uh, and then CD. And now we're looking at that young people and, and not just young people, people are now getting their music for all the streaming services, obviously. But we're seeing, you know, apps like TikTok and that being used and, and bands being used on TikTok and, and that affecting record companies' decisions as to what could potentially be singles, what could be a band to sign because they've got X amount of hits on this or Shazam right. and all them things. The, the question I want to ask you, Sasha, is 
all of these kind of things that are now how people consume their music and, 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 and get it. And, and it feels like so much of it is focused around on hooking them quickly and, and, you know, getting that little TikTok thing or, or getting on that Spotify playlist. And there's so much music out there now that you've, you know, it feels that there's pressure to, to grab someone quickly. And, and an intro is obviously key to that. How much of that has, filters through into your creative process if at all it hasn't really uh, played much of a role in, in my process at all because kmfdm has been around for so long and we're basically preaching to the converted anyways i mean we do not see any expansion of our fan base um, yeah. it's basically a, a closed a closed club you know so it doesn't really affect me much at all but i'm, I'm seeing it with my daughter she's um 14 right now and she's completely with tiktok and, and all that stuff and you know grabbing all the trends as they come by and uh you know um but yeah i guess i guess that's you know i mean i didn't grow up with my brain and a sort of device in my back pocket so yeah <laughs> you know it's a totally it's a totally different generation nowadays yeah totally okay well i'm gonna ask you for track two Please, Sasha, to tell me the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. That would have been um, Miriam Makeba, Pata Pata. It's, uh, it was a song that was played in my house all the time when I was a kid. And um, my father was like a, a dealer with exotic art. So we had a lot of people from Africa come into the house and they brought music and, uh, you know, records, vinyl, obviously. So... But Miriam McKeever was my favourite, absolutely. Yeah, that's a beautiful track, that. Um, tell me about home. Where where was home growing up, and, and was it a musical house? It was um, musical in the sense that my parents listened to music a lot, but nobody really played music. Um, I grew up in Hamburg, Germany. and um, But we had a piano, and I guess there was like a guitar sitting somewhere. There were a lot of uh, African instruments, mainly drums and uh, little recorders, like with the little ding, ding, yeah. stuff. So um, I played around with, with all kinds of instruments. And uh, then I built my first um, bass guitar when I was um, maybe 10 with a pair of headphones as the, as the pickup. And, um, you know, a, a headphone magnet with a couple of nails and... Uh, it had like two strings, and so that was my first homemade instrument. I mean, that's that's pretty incredible at ten years old to kind of put something like that together. Was you a a really sort of creative kid? Yeah, I think I was. Um, I was pretty good in the workshop. So, you know, my my grandfather had like uh, this little shed with all the stuff inside it, and I could just make stuff there. You know, yeah, like use wood, use. Uh, paint and whatnot and so yeah just uh, you know i used every opportunity i had to to make stuff to create objects or play around with things with wires and stuff you know like uh, there was an oscilloscope that was really fascinating to me um and that's really how my love for music started you know when when i first saw synthesizers i was like holy shit this is what i need to get into yeah. uh, but the stuff was so expensive back then of course yeah it was impossible. And would that have been 
German synthesizer music? Well, yes, we. Um, I think the first time I heard synthesized music was uh, switched on Bach, which was what? Was it Wendy Carlos? I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, just the sounds like on, on television, science fiction movies and stuff, like the, these weird sounds. I was like, what kind of instruments are these? So there was like an early fascination with the electronically uh, synthesized sound. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I want to talk about school. Uh, and for track three, I'd like you to tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school, please, Sasha. School's Out by Alice Cooper, of course. <laughs> <laughs> still, still one of my favorite songs, actually. Tell me about school. Was it something you enjoyed? No, it was. I was completely useless in school, and school was really useless to me. Everything I learned, I learned later in life. Um, I was just like always the... You know, the Joker in class, um, and I spent more time probably facing the corner than facing a teacher. Yeah. Did you did you know what you wanted to be when you was at school? I have no idea. So was music or or art or anything sort of creative, like was that ever encouraged at school? It wasn't so far that we had a teacher um who once Asked the class, I guess he asked all his classes, uh, there was a bit of a budget and um, how to spend it. And I convinced him to buy a, a Moog synthesizer. So that was great. And before that, he lent me a drum kit for about three or four months. So I had a drum kit in my house and then this uh, Moog synthesizer. And um, the possibilities were absolutely endless. I mean, it was crazy good. Tell tell me about that because uh, I'm 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 just a little younger than you and and I, and I miss that kind of moment, uh, uh, you know, of, of I guess sort of affordable synthesizers. Obviously, they're very expensive. Um, 
tell me about what it was like to get your hands on a fucking Moog synthesizer as, as a young lad. It must have literally been like this thing had just been beamed down from space, right? It was incredible. I mean, I just plugged it in and, um, you know, plugged a speaker into it and, and just hit the, the keys. And it was just like, wow. <laughs> you, just, you could turn everything, every knob, flip the switches, and you had no idea what would happen next. And, uh, of course, I never read uh, the manuals of anything. I yeah. always go, like, hands-on. My parents were, like, you know, completely shocked about the stuff, you know, the, the constant noise I created day and night pretty much, but um, they encouraged me. So that was good. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have like a circle of friends that were like-minded? Not really. Um, most of the kids I hung out with, they, you know, they sort of wanted to build fires outside and play in, in some, uh, ruins or something or built tree houses um i was more like the guy that um i had a balance between um liking to be alone and liking to be with friends i mean i wasn't a nerd per se but um i had my own interests like yeah already sort of you know being at school and um and experimenting with moog synthesizers and drums and, and you know I'd, I'd built a, a bass guitar did did music seem like it was a a legitimate option for a career? Did it feel like you could, coming from where you came from, uh, did you feel like, oh, you know, I could make a career from music? Or did that seem like, no, that's what people on the TV do? Like, No, because I never really, I never really mastered an instrument. I mean, a synthesizer, you Everyone can master a synthesizer. That's that's nothing. But you know, like um, I mean, I can't really play the guitar. I can't really play the bass all that great. I cannot play piano. Um, so this sort of lack of um, or the, the the realization of a lack of um, ability in that sense um, did not let me sort of explore that possibility. It was, however, in uh, nineteen seventy. Seven, I guess, early 1997, uh, 1977, um, when I first uh, heard punk rock, that I realized there is maybe a future for me. <laughs> this whole sort of thing, like the, the empowerment of people that have absolutely no idea how to play an instrument, but just looking great and shouting great stuff at the audience and you know, that was just like the liberating moment for me. Yeah. But do you think, you know, as, as, uh, you know, with what they had at their disposal, you know, whether it be the dam, the pistols, the clash, whatever, um, and, and I probably lean more towards maybe the sort of pistols and the damned, like, you know, they had that sort of DIY culture of like, right, look, you know, this, we've got, we can play limited chords here. We've got, you know, but the attitude is is off the off the scale. You know, we've we've got something to say. Do you think that was the similar sort of punk ethos could be said to to things like Kraftwerk and things like you know the the early sort of synth bands that were coming through on the you know the turn of the seventies into the early eighties? It was like right, we can afford one synthesizer. We're not trained pianists, but 
we can make these sounds. Do you think that's as as, as punk as what was coming out of, of London in 77? Um, that's a very interesting question. I was just reading a, a very good book about the um, what they call the crowd rock area, sort of in general. And um, I learned from reading that book that the guys in Kraftwerk, they were complete nerds. They had they were like flutists and whatnot. And, um, you know, they, they were musically so overtrained in a way that that's what they did. Whereas other bands, like, for instance, Cam, they were like, they had this total punk rock attitude to it. Absolutely the same thing. But I was, when, when Cam came out, I was maybe like nine or so. So that really wasn't the music that first really touched me. Um, I discovered crowd rock much later than probably around the late, late 70s. Yeah. And then when the, when the whole new German wave started, uh, that was so deplorable that um, I just couldn't listen to it at all. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I played in a school band, like in a, in a band that we formed at school when I was maybe... 11 or 12 and I played the bass and um, then I just jammed around with people for like years and I just knew one thing I never wanted to be jamming ever again with people in a room and you know if, if I were to make music I would make it on my own terms and um, for the lack of talent that I have I would you know work with people that have more than just talent you know but it's really weird that you say that, and you you, you say that you know you you're, you you wasn't a talented musician. But I think every there's a lot to be said for a lot of artists that on paper aren't incredible guitarists or, or, or drummers. I think a real valid skill is is having that idea and the fucking drive to make it happen. be that person in the band that goes right i've got this idea i need a sound that sounds like this and then once we've got this i'm now gonna make this happen i am gonna you know just to sort of you know early on in bands you know you need to have someone that can go right we've got this now i'm gonna i'm gonna take it to a record label i'm gonna i'm gonna arrange a tour i'm gonna book this gig you need somebody that that's what they bring to the table and that is as valid if not more valid than being able to play a fucking pink floyd solo do you know what i mean yeah well that's that's me i mean that's you know i mean i worked with people in the past that were absolute brilliant musicians but could not write a song by yeah. themselves. So um, I know what you mean. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I went and uh, brought a cassette with me to some kind of record company and boom, we got money to, you know, record more stuff. And um, I was the one that loaned money from the bank to go to America for the first time. And, uh, you know, so yeah, it, it always takes the guy that drives the whole boat and, um you know, a really good crew. I mean, one cannot exist without the other. Absolutely. You just mentioned something there that I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to know about. Tell me about that first tour of America. How was that? Um, we had absolutely no idea what we were in for. And I when was it, Sasha? When was it? Yeah. It was the late 1989. Right. Yeah. December 89. Um, we opened for ministry 
And it was probably one of the most rock and roll type of tours that world has ever seen. I mean, they were being flambéed in their bunks. Uh, there was every drug on the planet uh, on that on those tour buses. It was just absolutely, you know. And then we had no idea who Ministry was when I, when I um, got invited to that tour. I went to a record shop and I got uh, one of their singles, and it was like really sort of synth poppy kind of stuff, you know. And then we show up in Chicago, and there's like four guitarists, two drummers, and they're hard as nails. And um, so we had prepared like a toned down set, um, you know, because we didn't want to be like so heavy with a synth pop band uh, as the opener. So, you know, we threw our set out and played our regular shit and uh, people loved it. I mean, KMFDM became uh, pretty much a household name in the industrial rock, wax tracks, records kind of circles um, overnight. Yeah, you can really say that. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Tell me about the first song you remember buying from a record shop, Sasha. The first record I bought... Um... Uh, was it T-Rex? I think it was T-Rex, yeah. yeah. Get it on. Yeah. yeah. Tell, tell me about, like, how much how much influence and, and how were you affected by, you know, kind of pre-punk, like, just the kind of the, the glamour and the striking coolness of glam, you know, artists like T-Rex and Bowie and Roxy, like, how much of that sort of filtered through into, into you? 
it was like uh, looking at a unicorn, basically. You know, you couldn't believe your eyes. <laughs> like, what the? What? You know, David Bowie, I mean, fucking unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's just, how do you, how do you become someone like that? You know, that was always the question <laughs> in my head. But, um, no, like I said, I realized the, the whole punk rock thing, that was much more within reach for me. Um, and it worked. So, yeah, good. <laughs> Tell me about record shops for you, though. As as, as you got older and 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 you know your love of music developed even further. Like, were record shops important places for you growing up? I'm sorry, say that one more time. As, as you was getting older and, and, and your, your taste in music were getting you know more interesting and developing more, were record shops like interesting places for you? Yeah, I would buy uh, records just judged by the cover. I mean, it was totally, you know, if I liked the cover, I would buy it. And that was, um, that was many years later, that was one of the uh, genius kind of decisions I made, which I didn't realize that they were genius. I realize it now to stick with one guy to illustrate all the KMFDM covers throughout the years, you know, because I hear so many people telling me that the first KMFDM record they just bought because they liked the cover because it was striking, it screamed out at them. And, um, you know, it's, it's like if you go into a bar and you see your favorite uh, liquor on the shelf, you just instantly have the idea, that's what I'm going to have, you know. Love it. Or whatever. It's, it's just branding. It's, it's branding, and it totally works. So, yeah, I bought stuff that I liked just by looking at it, and... Um, discovered like music in a, in a very kind of broad spectrum that way. Um, and I must say, I, I never had a narrow kind of uh, taste in music. I, I listened to everything from, like I said, from African tribal music, even to, uh, you know, to heavy metal, to age kind of stuff, um, punk rock, rock and roll, everything. It's, um, uh, nowadays, I'm meeting a lot of people that are just very strict in their, you know, categorization of musical genres. I find that not very um, appealing, I must say. I mean, they're missing out. Still... They're missing out. There's so much good shit out there. <laughs> Go explore it. Right. I mean, with KMFDM, we're not just like a, an industrial rock band. I think there's so much more in KMFDM in the in the influences that make KMFDM's music, <clears throat> that is um, kind of easy to spot. But still, reviewers often, uh, you know, are so like, oh, this is digital hardcore, and this is, oh, this is uh, kind of cyberpunk, and this is kind of this and that, you know. But when, when the sum of it is so much more, I mean, you know, you can have uh, a punk rock song with a solo that could have been played by John Lord from Deep Purple, you know. Yeah. So that's what we did on this album. Uh, stuff like crazy combinations. Um, and I, I like to experiment with music. And uh, it's so easy to always do the same. However, that's, you know, something that's that I'm often told as well. Like, if it's KMFDM, you can immediately tell that it's KMFDM. But uh, well, that's maybe good. I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing. For track five, I'm going to ask you to tell me the song that soundtrack your years clubbing. 
I'm sorry. Uh, track five. I'm going to ask you for the song that soundtracked your years clubbing. Oh, the the clubbing years. That was uh, definitely playing with rock. Was my all time favorite. Africa Bombada. What a record that is. Fucking hell, man. <laughs> <laughs> Can you remember the first time you heard that? Yes, I probably can. Uh, it was uh, at a club in the, on the Reeperbahn here in Hamburg uh, that was called Shave or Aftershave or something. And um, I became friends with the DJ. He came from New York and uh, he it was like a guest DJ and uh, he had just brought Planet Rock. It must have been 1980. Probably winter of 79 or 80. I'm not sure entirely when that came out, but uh, it was so fresh and, and everybody was just like sh- shocked. And yet, you know, the dance floor just went boom and uh, everybody just freaked out. It was so good. Yeah, that's uh, that's something special, that record. And, and, and I guess like, could how much of that, that scene, that early kind of electro hip hop scene, like how much of that kind of made its way into your your record collection and your influences? Because obviously, you know, you can trace back Planet Rock and 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 so much of what you know is on that record to to Germany. Um, but just just that whole kind of utilization of you know of of electronic music and then later sampling and, and, and obviously the hip hop and, and, you know, aggressively having something to say, how much of that filtered through into your influences? Loads of it. Definitely. I mean, there was a point in time where I distinguished between sampleable music and non-sampleable music. And uh, obviously these really uh, sparse kind of early like Africa Bombada type of songs, you know, where you can just sort of really cleanly sample a beat out of it. Or or the fact that they, you know, stole the little loop from Kraftwerk. And that all played like a, a huge role in, in my musical evolution for sure. And I mean having having a sampler was just it was fantastic. It was yeah. KMFN would have never begun without having a sampler, that's for sure. I'm going to take you home for track six and a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. That would be uh, You Gong by Einstürzen und Neubau. Tell me about what you like about that record. Um, well, I'm, I'm friends with a couple of the guys in the band and um, Mark Chung came back to Hamburg from recording in, um, in London and um, he had he brought Yu Gong back, and I, I listened to it, and I was like, "Holy fuck! How did you do that? <laughs> that is so incredibly precise." And uh, that's when I was introduced to the sampler. Really. Yes, uh, yeah. How how did that impact on you? Like that 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 hearing that sampling and hearing that and and having that holy fuck! How have you done that? Does that do you find that that's an inspiration? Do you find that 
kind of can be defeatist and just think, shit, man, how have they done that? Like, I need to do that. Or does that fire you up to go, right, what can I do with what I've got? I need to, I need to up my game now and I've got to, you know, how, how does that impact on you? It totally fired me up. I mean, I was like, yeah, this is what I need. And, uh, you know, the next day I bought a sampler. So I just borrowed money and bought a sampler and that was it. You know, I was hooked. Wonderful. Wonderful. For track seven, and it's your last track, Sasha, I'm, I'm going to ask you to, to, to be a tastemaker here. And I'm going to ask you, please, to tell our listeners a song that you think many may not have heard that you want them to hear. That's a very good question there. I would say uh, The Liquidator by the Harry J. All-Stars. What That's, a record. That is a, such a weird song. And um, I was just listening to it the other day, like uh, by accident, really. Um, I dug out my reel-to-reel and uh, popped on a tape that I recorded with my little brother back in 1970, the UK Hit Parade. And uh, there was like uh, raindrops keep falling on my head, followed by the liquidator. I was like, what the fuck? And then came uh, Rolling Stones, Jumping Jack Flash, you know? That. Three I, great I, records. Three great I, records on I, the band. I have a stack of tapes like this big. We just Every Saturday we recorded the Top of the Pops and whatever came on the radio. And um, my brother died a couple of years ago, so I inherited the tapes. And I, at first I was like, what is that? What is on these tapes? And then, ah, good stuff. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, what we do is we put together a little Spotify playlist, Sasha, so people can go and listen to all of your song picks. And obviously we'll put um, some KMFDM uh, music on there as well. Um, with that in mind, uh, you mentioned uh, tours having to be rescheduled and, and records being made over lockdown. What's happening with the band right now and what's coming up? Well, we're just um, two weeks away from starting our next US tour. Um, Lucia just came down with COVID, apparently. I'm just uh, hoping that I get it myself as well so that I don't have to deal with it whilst on the road. Then... Uh, we're going to be touring again in the spring in the U.S. as well, maybe Australia. There'll be uh, European dates in um, in the fall next year. And, of course, recording, new stuff, always sinking ahead. Wonderful. And if people want to keep up to speed with everything that's happening, where's the best place to follow KMFDM? That would be Sasha Konietzko on Facebook, I guess. That would be my personal page. Um, that's always updated. And um, there's a bunch of kind of groups that are more or less about KMFDM. Just, you know, just Google around. I mean, websites are like not really the thing anymore today. So I guess it's all Twitter and uh, Instagram. But they can find KMFDM on pretty much every platform. Wonderful. Well, we'll tag you in it and uh, and Lucia as well. Um, Sasha, it's been really nice talking records with you. Thank you so much. Likewise, Stu. Very much. There you go. Imagine growing up in Hamburg, getting your mitts on a Moog, and then just the impact of hearing Planet Rock on a dance floor for the first time and just, yeah, getting a sampler after hearing, you know, people making, like, genre-defining music and, you know, 
you look at the stuff that Blixer and that was doing, was was absolutely ahead of its time. Um, yeah, what a what a time to be making music in Germany. Uh, and then you know, go on to to take that chance with that that first tour of America with with Ministry and. And, you know, the success that KMFDM uh, have had and continue to have in, in the States is, is wonderful. Um, so much so that they're about to do that tour uh, all over again. So go check out um, their, their tour dates. Go check out the new record. Um, and, yeah, subscribe to the podcast. Don't miss another episode. Two a week, every week. Uh, huge back catalogue and bucket loads more over on Patreon. Everything you need to know off the beat and track podcast. I'll see you next time. Much love. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Beautiful.